So, uh, can you tell me what intrigues you about casting? Oh my god, wow, we're just yeah, starting Yeah, we don't off. have any intro. Um, wow, what intrigues me about casting? Well, like in school, I always, I like doing casting at SCAD, specifically because I felt like... Um, a lot of the projects were kind of like the same thing over and over and especially because at school you know people could like pick from the script the script bank so we would meet with like other students who would kind of tell us their you know um their story and we were able to work with them to sort of work with like diversifying the cast or like you know what I mean so I really enjoy casting because I like taking stories that maybe you have a certain image in your mind of who it's going to be and sort of flipping it on itself you know I like being able to give opportunities to people who maybe haven't had the opportunity to play that sort of character before um that's probably what excites me the most. And then how do you gauge who should get that opportunity and who shouldn't? Because it's like saying, oh, I've never acted that role, but maybe because you just don't fit that role. So where's that fine line? Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, I mean, a lot of it has to do, obviously, with like the director and writer, or if it's the director-writer, um, what their vision is. But I think... Um, I think, so let's say if it's like, like with Hamilton, right? Um, If they cast all white men because that's who it was back then, then I think the specialness of Hamilton would be gone because I think the fact that it was people of color added a whole different layer to it. So when I do casting, I talk to the director and the writer about that, about how there's like a whole nother layer that... A person of color can offer to like a white role so but ultimately it is up to the director and the writer you know what I mean like I can tell them that and if they're like no I you know I I need it to be this person because of this and sometimes yeah they don't fit the role I mean I'm never gonna give I'm never gonna want to give it to someone if they aren't you know don't fit it or aren't right for it or just aren't you know very good in that particular role but I like to try and diversify it a little bit, put you know, flip it on its head a little bit. Um, when you talk about diversifying, and then when you mention Hamilton, don't you think it's more gratifying to uh, those people or that certain um, like race that you're trying to include in this diversification if roles were created originally for them instead of just being like, okay, now we'll call it diversifying and just have the same role and just give it to someone who looks different um because i personally think it's so much like the true definition of doing such a thing is to create new roles that are unique to them and have something that relates to them it's not just like changing the person and oh they can just do the same thing you know yeah I was actually talking to my sister about that the other day um, because they're doing, there's a film coming out soon about Anne Boleyn, who obviously was white, um, but they cast a black actress to play her. And me and my sister were saying that's 
that is really cool, obviously, because a black actress has never played Anne Boleyn before, but we were also saying, why, I mean, the Tudors, King Henry VIII, Anne Boleyn has been done so many times, why, instead of just doing the same story again and choosing a black actress to make it different, why did these people not just try to pick a black woman from history that, I mean, there's so many black women in history that haven't um, had their story told, so me and my sister were talking about that, like, it's it's gonna be exciting and cool i'm sure but we were like kind of wishing that it was a a story that hadn't been told before yeah or or it's like when it pops up like harriet tubman and then everyone does a harriet tubman story but i'm sure there are so many other characters that have done great things or interesting enough so that there can be movies and stories written about them and made about them Uh, i just think uh, it's just a cheap way out to be like okay so we've had james bond that was always white and now let's consider Idris Alba at some point that was a conversation I don't know what happened to it but I was like why don't you create a new interesting character that's yeah yeah I I mean uh it's just the easy way you know it's still a nice thing to do I understand the gesture but I think it's just very on the surface and it doesn't really solve anything yeah, it's like a band-aid instead of actually trying to mm-hmm. heal that problem in Hollywood. And I, I'm thinking that it's probably because Hollywood is still very much ran by white men. And so they obviously, yeah, they're like, oh, we need to diversify stories and crews and cast. But instead of, you know, giving the job to a black writer who could write about a black person in history, they're like, oh, I... I'm gonna write this white person in history but then I'm gonna cast a black actor and that's and that'll be good enough like that's you know what I mean um so I feel like it's probably just because still Hollywood is ran by white men unfortunately uh when you talked about the relation of someone who does casting and the writer director if it's the same person and a director if it's just the director um how do you think those roles differ um there's a lot of debate whether like, for example, whether there should be a casting director or uh, is, you know, like the whole reason why that title doesn't exist because, well, that's more formalities of the guild and all that. But um, where do you think those lines blend or um, do you think that direct the, the casting person should be completely in charge of casting? Do you think... Um, how close should that partnership or collaboration be and whether there should like what's to say who ha- who should have more say in uh the casting that's being done i personally always think that the director or director writer should always have like the final say i think they're you know their story their vision is always going to be most important because you can explain to me who this character is and the story, you know, as best as you can. But at the end of the day, I'm not inside your brain. I can't see exactly what you're picturing. So I can do my best to say, okay, here's who I think would be really great. But at the end of the day, I can't be inside your brain. So I do think it is a very important relationship to have. And I think the director or director writer needs to trust the casting director that they are going to try and understand their vision as best as possible but at the end of the day the director or director writer is you know the person who created the character or is writing the character so they're always gonna I think 
have the final say and know best. How do you avoid just, you know, casting based on what you're told? Um, how, how do you bring your own, um, you know, creative vision, I guess, because, because casting does require someone to be creative. It's not paperwork. You got to analyze a character and see who fits the character and then see from a pool of people and pick and being able to pick the right person requires skill and, um, creative ability. So where do you think you can steer away from just being the person who does the job because, Someone told, that's what I want. I always kind of think of casting as like wedding dress shopping where (laughs) the bride comes in and she always knows exactly what she wants, like what her vision is. And she tells the stylist and the stylist will pick, you know, seven dresses that are like almost identical to what the bride is thinking, but also will pick three to four more wild cards that they might not pick from the shelves themselves but when they see them on they might be like oh wow I would have never thought of this or picked this but I actually really like it so I always kind of think of it that way so like you know the priority is obviously the vision of the director director writer but I also have my intuition and what I think my interpretation of the character and everything so throwing in like wild cards you know hopefully the director or director writer is open to that because I at SCAD sometimes people were very set in stone like this is what I want you know um but I think most people are willing to um see some wild cards Mm -hmm. is there a movie that you've watched and you're like you think every role has been cast the best way that it could have so many I mean the first that like come to mind I just recently watched um Promising Young Woman and I personally I loved it I I felt like when I was watching it that every everyone was so perfectly cast um but also the like The Departed like pretty much any Martin Scorsese film is like perfectly cast um I mean you just can't go wrong with like every single person in The the Departed um is there uh, is there a movie that I guess, so I guess it would be Promising Young Woman based on what you said. I was going to ask if there's a movie that the cast is, it's not just like one or two people. There's a a lot of people who are playing different roles and you're just like, every role seemed believable to you. Because to me, if I was someone who was mainly interested in casting, I feel like that's something I would always watch for to just like look at the different roles and be like, oh, like, I feel like this role doesn't really work. Um, but then there are movies that you watch and you're like, wow, every role is so believable and works so well for the story. So um, yeah, would that be Promising Young One for you? Or is there another movie that have, that has uh, stood out for you? Yeah, I mean, I most recently watched Promising Young Woman. I think that's why that sticks out to me. But I mean, I think La La Land is another great example. Um, because like there's the characters of like the roommates and then like Sebastian's family and I think everyone in La La Land is also really amazingly cast and talent I think they all stood alone really well. Um, even when the roommates like were only in it for probably like seven minutes or something. I think La La Land's also a great one. Or like Whiplash. Obviously I'm a big fan of Damien Chazelle, so Yeah, I have a Whiplash poster right on my wall. It's the, it's the... Oh yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> It's so good. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, both those movies have some 
um, I was going to say weird choices, but like out of the box choices too. For example, I didn't expect, I like to, I was interested to watch Promising Young Woman, so I didn't do much research into it. I like to go in blind. Um, and then I was like, well, Bo Burnham is in so much of this. Uh, and that's and that's yeah. not a conventional pick or um in uh, la la land jk simmons being what a jazz restaurant kind of manager that's also not a conventional pick yeah um yeah so those are interesting but like in the martin scorsese movie um the no one at least to the ones i've seen no one is like whoa that's that's such an out of the box uh casting choice at least in the ones yeah. I've seen. It's like if it's a mobster movie, it's like the people who would <laughs> fit like Joe Pesci and all that. Yeah. What uh, What made you not want to be a director who also has a say in casting, but also does other things and um, instead go for strictly casting as your main passion and focus? Um, well, when I originally got into SCAD, I was like, I'm going to be an editor because that was the only thing I had ever done. So I was like, I'm going to be an editor, obviously. Um, and then I started taking film classes and I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to be an editor. Um, and I never really was drawn to directing or writing. I mean, I can't write, so obviously I'm not going to be a writer, but I was never really drawn to directing because I felt like... I well I think working with actors and being a director is so hard I'm like amazed and every time someone does it and I see like a movie like Promising Young Woman I'm like oh my god like how did she do that but I always like the um, pre-production process the best and felt like that was where my skills could shine the most and so that's why I was most drawn to like producing and casting and I hadn't had much casting experience until I got my casting internship at SCAD and then I was like oh this is like a whole new world that I've never tried before and I hadn't learned that much about and then that's when I was like oh this is this is also amazing and still you know pre-production so I was always really drawn to pre-production and when you worked on uh productions that would be in Georgia uh was your role at casting assistant or casting intern or what what was your what was your title or what titles have you worked for as a cast in the casting department casting assistant Assistant. has been my roles that i've done yes okay and how many uh out of film school productions would you say you've done that um i think i've done three okay three or four and did it start with an um, internship of, and then lead into being an assistant or no kind of so I was so like I said I did the casting internship at okay. SCAD and um a lot of times when productions would come to Savannah they would reach out to SCAD and be like oh we need extras or you know and so they the Gloria's casting reached out to our casting office at SCAD and said oh, we just need some extra hands for this open casting call. And so immediately I was like, I'm helping, I'm doing this, like this is incredible. And I think because I was the first one to like really jump on it and act all excited, then they called me like 10 minutes later and were like, oh, are you also interested in 
actually working on the film and being like an assistant for the full film and I was like um yeah so I worked on the Glorias first and then basically every project that that casting company got after they brought me on so that's how I got um I worked on Harry Haft which was also in Savannah I worked on Ozark season three and then I worked a few days on Greenland which is a new movie with um Gerard Butler that came out not too long mm-hmm. ago and what, what were the different things that you learned about casting when you worked as the casting assistant on those productions because it's such a it's kind of been more uh abstract role um more people want to be either a writer or a director or a producer or an editor but you see a few people who are like oh i want to focus on casting so it intrigues me um what you kind of learned that was new to you after you did these assistant roles I feel like on the Glorias I learned a lot about the importance of casting because the Glorias was really interesting because we went through like four or five different decades like 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s like to present day so we needed so many different people that looked different like for the 60s we couldn't hire anybody that had like dyed hair and for the 70s they really wanted people that had like natural 70s hair like very long middle part um stuff like that so I learned a a lot about how important that is because like one day on set this guy who had sent in a photo that we cast looked completely different than his photo like his hair and we were panicking because we were like he doesn't look like the decade like he's gonna stick out like a sore thumb we can't put him in this scene so we had to like slick his hair back and make him look like he uh, lived in the 60s so I learned a lot on the glories about how important that is and how like someone sticking out like that can can ruin like a whole shot you know kind of distract you well if someone um, has died like, on Ozo- well if someone has dyed hair can't they just can't they work with hair and makeup and make it look not dyed yes i mean to an extent i mean we couldn't have like because a lot of SCAD students would apply to be um on the right so it was more Indiana, a number thing like but... you can't spend hair and makeup time on each right the the glorias was a lot of scenes where it was like big protests where we'd have like 300 400 500 people so yeah hair and makeup was like swamped but also like we couldn't hire anybody that had like pink hair because nobody really in like the 60s had pink hair so it was like stuff like that um and like one day on ozark i had hired somebody and he hadn't put how tall he was i had just seen photos and he looked normal height um, and then they called me the day that he was on set and they were like, he's six, eight. We can't use him. He's literally <laughs> towering over everybody. Like we can't, we can't use him. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I had no idea. Um, yeah. How tall is Jason Bateman? Jason Bateman is like, I feel like he's not that tall. I mean, he's like probably like five, ten, five, eleven. Okay. maybe. I mean, I don't know if not they were even. in the same scene or not, but it's like he's definitely not he's he's 510 and the other guy is <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. it just it just wouldn't work would have been fun um yeah and uh how i mean i'm sure ever since the world has gone crazy um you're still uh, i have never looked into 
casting job opportunities. So I have no idea how that world even is like. Um, so I was wondering how have things changed uh, for the past year? Because productions are, you know, at first there was nothing, but then slowly things started happening again. So how have the opportunities changed in regards to casting ever since um, 2020? Um, I would say a lot has changed because, like, I was talking about the Glorias, how we would have, like, 400, 500 people in, you know, one scene. Um, you can't really do that right now um, because, I mean, people get COVID tested on um, sets every day. But if you have, like, 400 people and they all have to have COVID tests, first of all, it's a lot of COVID yeah. tests. And also that would take a long time. And so I think a lot of productions are kind of having to rethink their scenes you can't have like concert scenes you can't have protest scenes you can't have any scenes really that have tons of people like that because of covid so yeah people are having to rethink i think a lot and, and can you define for me what a casting assistant does um so many things so i'll many just things. tell you I what mean, my uneducated um understand okay, my yeah, understanding it. of it is it. Uh, based on what yeah. I've seen, casting assistants are mainly in charge of background actors, finding those, uh, whether lots of extras, you know, helping production to uh, provide the number of extras, um, and dealing with, I guess, sizes and height, and we need these features, and making sure those people are those features, like the 6'8 person that you mentioned. Um, that's my understanding now, correct me if I'm wrong and what I am. That's pretty accurate. I mean, obviously I do cast people in the scene, right? That's the most basic thing. Um, definitely have to, like for Ozark, for all of the, um, casino scenes, they would give us, here's the costumes we have, here are the sizes, find real dealers, like real casino dealers that fit these sizes. Um, and like for the Gloria's, we had to get everybody sizes so that they could go get, you know, 70s costumes. So yes, we do have to work with like the costumes and the sizes, which can be really difficult, especially if someone last minute drops out and you have to replace them with someone that is their exact size <laughs> is quite an ordeal. Um, but also I have to do a lot of emailing. Um, I have to send, um, all the extras, the emails the night before they go to set, which is like where are they going? Here's the directions. Here's what time. Here's the door you go to. Here's the person you talk to, um, which is always like 10 pages long. And yet still I will get calls the next day of them asking me a million questions. Yeah. Um, but also if you work at like a casting office, then obviously you'll help them with like um, auditions. You might be behind the camera recording the audition. You might be a reader um, reading with the actor who's auditioning. Um, sometimes it can be a lot of like desk work, paperwork, um, emails. I would do invoices a lot where I would invoice the production for the casting company. Um, so yeah, lots, lots of different things. Um, I, re I recently watched Nomadland and, uh, something that was interesting is they show a lot of nomads in the movie, um, because of the story and Elston the main actress and someone else everyone else is a real nomad that they've cast so uh, it's very believable and it feels kind of, it's, it's 
it's not a documentary and it doesn't feel like a documentary, but it feels that real um, because they use real people. Now, um, do you have any experience with, like you mentioned, the casino thing? Were they ever interested to cast a certain profession and they actually wanted someone who does that thing in real life? Or have you never experienced that? Yeah, in Ozark, they definitely wanted, like, real dealers. Because in the scene, if someone's dealing and it looks like they don't mm-hmm. know what they're doing, I think it could be very obvious. But on the Glorias... Um, the director, Julie Taymor, was really um, insistent that, um, like, the Native Americans, they had a lot of scenes with Native Americans, were real Native Americans, and she was even specific to um, ask for certain tribes. So she would say, I want five Native Americans from the Cherokee tribe, um, which is pretty, it's an amazing thing. Like, I loved that she... um, wanted it to be actual Native Americans instead of, you know, casting people that just look like Native Americans. But it was really difficult. I mean, and we had to um, fly people to Georgia from New Mexico and Texas and Arizona. Um, So that was really hard, but also really rewarding when you know and when you watch the movie that those are real Native Americans. How would she make sure of that? Um, I mean, it was really up to us to make sure of it, I guess, because it wasn't like she was like, I'm checking in. Did you actually find your <laughs> right. that, that's um, That's my question. Like, do you have to like go and be like, are you actually this or it's a. Uh... Yeah. I what mean, if someone doesn't look, past... what if someone doesn't look um, like they would be, but they are, then is that OK or is we that not that OK? Sometimes. Um, because I think I think that's also a problem. <laughs> Being like, oh, you don't look like yeah. how we want you to look. So, no. Yeah. I mean, we definitely ran into that on the Glorias because... So, like, the protest scenes where there was, like, 300, 400 people, she would say, like, I want 20 Asian Americans. I want 40 Native Americans. And so sometimes we would... Someone would apply and they'd be like, I'm 5% Cherokee. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? Um and so we'd be like, that's a bit of a stretch. Or some people, sometimes they would um, apply and they would be um, Native American. And they wouldn't quite look it. Because she, the director, really wanted, like, long hair. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. not all Native Americans the, yeah. in the U.S. Yeah. So sometimes we would do that. We would cast them anyway if it was in a scene where it wasn't super important. She really just wanted um, more of the history of it like the history that there were asian americans there and there were native americans there but if it was a scene where it was more like 10 15 people and it was in like at a ranch like a native american ranch then we would make sure that they are native american and look native american because that was really important to to the director yeah and we were talking about how some movies or tv shows um pick actors that maybe have never played that role and it turns out really well So how much do you think it's a director's ability to um, make that role believable, even if that person was never seen in uh, that capacity? My big example, and he was a big actor, so it's not like, oh, he was unknown or anything. But like Brian Cranston, before doing Breaking Bad, he was doing comedies, right? And then suddenly he does Breaking Bad, which I love Breaking Bad, so I was like, I read all the trivia on it and everything. 
and um, mm-hmm. I don't know the exact details, but it was something along the lines of AMC um, telling the creator that pick someone else because this is a serious drama role and this person uh, has rarely done it. I don't know. I, I just know he did Malcolm in the Middle before that. I'm not exactly sure where, what else he's done. But they were saying, pick someone who is more well-known to do drama so that the role is more be- believable. Um, but then he does it, and he establishes himself as a great drama actor and wins back-to-back Emmys and such. Um, but I think that's one of the examples of a director taking an actor who may not fit a role conventionally and make it fit. Um so what do you think the success of a role like how much would you attribute it to a director and their work with the actor and how much would you attribute it to the right casting because if a director can make someone who was never cast for such a role or people think oh it doesn't work and make it work then is there even right casting um i think a lot of times in those instances like i immediately thought of um Heath Ledger, when he was cast as the Joker, that got a lot of backlash because he had never done a role like that. Um, so I think people were very um, caught off guard. Um, but I feel like a lot of times the director has spoken directly to that actor way, way in advance to their casting being announced and has worked with them and even maybe done script reads or rehearsals or chemistry reads um because I never I don't think that a director is ever going to pick someone sort of like out of the blue with no um discussion with that actor um in those instances where it's like oh this person's never done a serious role like that how do you even know that they're capable of it it's usually because that director knows because they've worked with that actor a long time before deciding okay yeah we're gonna do this yeah yeah I was listening to a podcast um I think it's the DGA podcast. Um, their recent episode was with David Fincher and Aaron Sorkin. Um, yeah, okay. it was really, really good. Um, and they were talking about how in the trial of the Chicago 7, because previously it was supposed to be done by Steven Spielberg, um, Sasha Baron Cohen was Steven Spielberg's pick from, like, I don't know, I'm going to just say 10 years ago. But it was supposed to be done a while back. Um and then when Aaron Sorkin got it, Sasha Baron Cohen still really wanted to do it. So he got in touch and he was like, hey, I just want to make sure I'm still doing it because I would like to do it. Um, but he's supposed to have, like, for whoever's seen the movie, he's witty. So he has, like, elements that we've seen in Sasha Baron Cohen, but also there are very serial, serious and emotional bits um, to the movie. So there was this like internal conversation about whether he can sell those courtroom scenes where he has to be serious and where he has to give a speech. And he does. So I think it's, um, I always just applaud when, and of course it has to work, but I applaud when uh, directors or casting directors uh, cast people who were never seen in such a role and they shine because that just means that you didn't go for the safe pick or the safe option obviously it as you said it's not like just out of the blue and putting names in a hat and picking one and being like oh maybe it'll work yeah, yeah. um but when it works and when it's done right i think it's 
so much more maybe satisfying it's also more interesting for the actors because they're like oh i always get yeah this kind of role so it's really excited exciting for me to do something different and um and a lot of the times it flops but they even try harder to make that role work so they can prove themselves as something else yeah i think a lot of times actors especially like sasha baron cohen is a great example get typecast it's like oh he does comedy no one's ever gonna think to put him in like a deep drama like the trial of chicago chicago seven um and so i think a lot of times those actors are probably looking to get out of the genre that they're always kind of pushed into and it does take a great director that sees that in them to finally get it out of them or to get them out of it is there um a role that comes to your mind that you always thought was so unique and different and maybe you mentioned heath ledger but maybe acted by someone that you wouldn't expect to be able to do that role that well. Like something mm. different, something you're like, wow, I didn't know this person can do this. I mean, now I just can't stop thinking about Trial of Chicago, <laughs> Seven. Chicago 7 because when I, when I watched that, I really was like taken aback by um, his performance because it was so amazing and so not what we've seen of him before especially because borat 2 right borat mm-hmm. 2 i think had just come out so that was like fresh in my mind and then i watched trial of the chicago 7 i was like whoa mm-hmm. the fact that he did these movies probably relatively around the same time is mind-blowing to me that because they're so different and he's just like borat to a lot of people so um I thought that was really, really cool and also really exciting because I was like, wow, now I feel like I'm going to get to see him in a bunch of stuff that I wouldn't have previously. Yeah, um, I can think of two examples. Oh, one is, I think, more extreme than the other. But Adam Sandler and Uncut Gems, I think everyone was like, wow. That's a great that, one. Yeah. But, you know, the thing is, in Uncut, Uncut Gems, he still has the same... He's still Adam Sandler. He, yeah. He still talks yeah. the same and makes the same jokes and is... Absolutely. But also, it is different. Um, and, and it's... Uh, I mean, I wish that movie has got, had gotten more recognition, which it did not. But um, another more extreme example, and obviously uh, can't go too much in detail because it won't make sense since a lot of people would not have seen it yet, but... Um, like Tom Holland, I knew him as Spider-Man. Um, and then he does Cherry, which is the new Apple, uh, movie. Mm-hmm. And it's so, so different. And, um, very, very impressed. Because I have my favorite Spider-Mans and he's not my favorite Spider-Man. And that's like... He's, he's not. definitely not. Um, I did like the second one that, what was it? Uh, Far From Home was that the second one I really yes. like that one yeah but um, yeah. I, I'll stick to Tobey Maguire as my favorite Spider-Man um, but anyway the performance he mine's Andrew Garfield so. really that's controversial yeah. no one really talks about that one it is, it is. Why, why, why do you I like know. Andrew Garfield I... Spider-Man so much um, well, I was a huge fan of Andrew Garfield before he was Spider-Man. So Why? That because probably... of Twilight? Is, is that Twilight? he in Twilight? No, he was in Social Network. Was Was he not in Twilight? Okay. 
That was Robert Pattinson and I, and I wish and the other guy that didn't the guy the other guy disappeared. Peter Lautner. Yeah, he's not a thing anymore, is he? Does he still act? Not really. I mean, not I know really. he did. He did. Um, a few years ago, Adam Sandler had this multi-picture deal with Netflix where he was just like giving them comedies, uh, and one mm-hmm. was called like. It had a goofy name, but he was in it. I was like, oh, I guess he still does that. Anyway, so you were a big fan of uh, Andrew Garfield. And... Yes. Um, and I thought that he gave the like perfect qualities for Peter Parker, but I also thought he was the perfect Spider-Man. Because Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, obviously we hadn't seen Tom Holland yet as Spider-Man at this point. Um but Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, who I also love, wasn't like the super witty, funny um, Spider-Man from the comics. And I think Andrew Garfield did a really great job at that. While also in the scenes of Peter Parker being like, you know, the nerdy um, kid and, and his scenes with Gwen Stacy, who was played by Emma Stone, um, which they were dating in real life. So, you know, that probably helped their connection a little bit, but... I don't know. It just felt the most real to me. Um, but I do love Tommy McGuire and Tom Holland. Honestly, I think all three of them are so different in the role, but all so incredible. They are very different. What has been a yeah. casting nightmare in your experience that maybe, maybe when you were in film school, you cast for something and it just completely backfired? Has that happened? Um, I don't know if it's ever backfired, luckily, but I mean, there, there were definitely times like on Ozark where it's a smaller scene and they need like two or three, um, extras who are gonna be like right in the shot. Like they're getting full camera time. Um, and so with those kind of roles, the director does pick those, we bring them options and they say I want this person this person this person um so I've had times where the director has handpicked these roles and then the day of the person doesn't show up and we can't get a hold of them and then it's like oh my well I can't just you know easily throw someone else in there because they had to look a certain way and the director picked them so that that's always a, a really scary moment because it's like I have two hours before they literally need to be on set behind the camera and I have to find someone that looks just like this person and also that the director will like and it's it's scary but um, usually it always gets um, handled but it's it's a scary few hours definitely and what's one proud moment that you have that you pulled something off and you were like I did this in terms of casting not in life (laughs) well I was gonna tell you no I'm just kidding um wow that's so hard I mean in the glory as I was always really happy and proud because the story just meant a lot to me because Gloria Steinem means a lot to me obviously but um because those scenes were so specific to decades and um to Gloria and who Gloria spoke to and um, people that connected with Gloria, um, when we would cast for, for those specific decade scenes, I was always really proud when, um, they would text us from set and be like, this person is perfect. Like this person is, you couldn't have found someone better. Um, 
because of the, you know, the decade look, but also um, that person with Gloria and, and the impact and everything. So those are probably my proudest moments on the Glorias. Okay. In the previous episode, we were talking about cinematography and we were talking about how uh, colorists do a very important job that complements cinematography. You can have a movie or TV show that's shot really well, but colored really poorly, and it just takes away from the Mm -hmm. entire thing. Uh, And we were talking about how uh, we think that it's important enough to maybe even have an Academy Award category for color. Um, Likewise, there is a lot of debate about um, casting. Uh, I know in the SAG Awards, there's like a best casting ensemble, so it's more collective rather than Mm -hmm. best leading, supporting, and all that. Um, How do you feel about a casting category at the Academy Awards? Because there are a lot of awards, but everyone knows that the most important one, obviously, is the Academy Award. So um, do you think that's missing? And how do you think, um, because I assume you would say yes and how do you think they should go about picking that how do you pick best casting um i definitely think it would be incredible to have um an award for casting i mean especially since like you said there is like the sag award for casting ensemble um and I always felt like casting does so much work that they should be, you know, rewarded for all of their hard work because it is a lot of work and it is so important to the film. I mean, if you cast the wrong people, the whole film flops, you know what I mean? It doesn't matter how great the story is if you cast the wrong people in it. Um, But I also do understand that, like, I can, you know, say this person is right for this role and then they win an Academy Award for their performance, but I, I didn't give their performance. At the end of the day, it was them. Um, so I think maybe that might be why casting's not a huge award. It's difficult to gauge it. Position. Um, because I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, the actor's performance, but it would be pretty cool to, to have that. Do you, do you have any idea on how maybe it could work? Because as you mentioned, it would be difficult to figure out the metrics of it. How do you, how can you tell that, how can you separate it from best, uh, you know, uh, leading role, supporting role? Okay, they won, so would that mean the same movie would get the best casting award? Or is there a different metric? to it i think if there was an award for um best casting director um i don't think necessarily that would mean then that like let's say someone won for best casting director i don't think necessarily then that would have to mean that those actors would win you know best actor best supporting actor um i think a good example of that would be little women um which i don't think won any acting Oscars no but the whole cast was so perfect I mean every single dynamic in that movie from sisters to sister and friend to mother and daughter and um husband and wife and you know neighbor and neighbor just every dynamic and every person is so perfectly cast that I think 
um, that's like a great example of someone who I th- would totally give best casting director to. Um, but you know, that doesn't mean that like everyone in that movie then has to get, you know, an award for their acting. Yeah. Also, maybe not a lot of directors would be fond of such an award being given out because then that would diminish their power. Yeah. Be like, oh, like someone else is taking credit about casting, not not me. <laughs> yeah. So you see it as more of how difficult was it to cast this movie if it did do successful? Because you mentioned Little Woman and how there are so many different um, characters and types of characters. Yeah, I mean, I think um, difficulty is definitely like should would probably be a huge part of it. Um, but also i'm i mean like little with little women the casting director has to take into account like that these are four sisters and that you know like timothy chalamet's character has this connection with joe but amy amy also has this connection to him and then amy and joe have this connection and um you have to cast people that all you know fit those perfect connections that's going to make all those different connections shine so yeah, I mean, difficulty is definitely one thing. Like, you know, if you're doing a decade film and everyone has to look a certain way and be in costumes and everything, but also, you know, the connections. But, I, yeah, I mean, a director would probably be like, well, I'm the one who gets the performance out of them. You know what I mean? I'm the one who directs them. So yeah, it's, it's a fine line. And I, I'm guessing that's probably why um, it doesn't exist it's not. right now. Yeah. 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 Um, great and then I'm gonna add this as a final segment what's your uh, what's your favorite movie of all time just of all just, time just one yeah just one yeah. and I know people have different favorite movies yada yada I get it but like one should pop in your mind I mean the one that always pops up in my mind is The Social Network I can watch that any anytime. If I'm sad, if I'm happy, if I'm uh well, yeah. This was great. I enjoyed our conversation. And uh the best. Always the best with yeah. you.